Good morning, my name is Jay Rosenthal and I'm the Managing Director of Business of Cannabis. Welcome back to Cannabis Daily for Monday, January 17th. If you like what you see, you can check out the rest of our channel with our full Business of Cannabis archive right here. So please do subscribe to stay up to date about all the latest for those that are new to Business of Cannabis. Since 2017, we've highlighted the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the cannabis industry. And that's what we look to do here today and every day. Because following the rundown of the key stories that we're following, we'll get to uh, be our BFC Live segment, where today we'll be joined by Allison McMahon, the CEO of Cannabis at Work. We'd love to hear from you in the comments and always feel free to visit us at businessofcannabis.com as well as through all of our social channels on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Before we get going, we encourage you to check out two upcoming events. First, our retail series on January 26th. This will be online. It's presented by Leafly and Vitrina Group. We'll be looking at inventory planning for 2022. And second, our Business of Cannabis Miami event, uh, which is about retail, technology, design, and data. That will be in person. You can find all the details in the description below. For our top stories today, California C4 distribution is closing down. Ascend Wellness files a lawsuit against MedMen in New York. The UK medical cannabis bill is doomed to fail. And medical cannabis sales growth in, in Germany falters. For our first story, a memo signed by C4 CEO Eric Spitz says that due to lack of financing, California's C4 cannabis company is ceasing operations, this according to Business Insider. Money is still owed to two firms, Alvarez and Marcel, and Lampert's Debt Advisors. Employees have been furloughed, the office has been shuttered, and the company has begun selling off its assets. Quote, this process has been arduous and taxing, and we will still owe significantly more than we have left to collect. That according to the memo. Raising funds has become increasingly difficult for California, California's cannabis industry, where the illicit market has grown, retail has shrunk, and advocates are pushing for fairer taxation rates. Quote, this could be the great extinction event for California operators. That according to Poseidon Asset Management's Emily Paxia. For our second story, after its investment agreement was terminated, MSO Ascend Wellness has commenced legal proceedings against MedMen in New York, according to a press release. As a reminder, Ascend operates in Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, Massachusetts, and New Jersey. Its acquisition of just under 90% of MedMen's New York business was announced last February, and regulators approved the deal in December, but, quote, AWH. H is uh, seeking an order compelling specific performance of the transactions con contemplated by the investment agreement among AWH and MedMen, that according to the release. For our third story, the MP sponsoring the UK's medical cannabis access bill in the House of Commons on Friday said it's unlikely to succeed because of a lack of support, that according to BusinessCan. Quote, it almost definitely won't receive any further parliamentary time or be able to progress any further, said a senior aide to Jeff Smith, a Labour MP for Manchester, Wythenshaw. Quote, unfortunately, the government was not forthcoming with any proposals that they'd be able to support, and we were not able to convince them to support the ones outlined in Jeff's bill. For our final story, based on data from the German National Association of Statutory Health Insurance Funds, sales of medical cannabis in Germany have, quote, stagnated, according to Prohibition Partners. Sales evened out between Q3 of 2020 and Q3 2021. There are a couple of reasons why the growth has stalled. Well, doctors aren't comfortable with prescribing cannabis. There's a lack of coverage by insurers. 
There's hope that incoming adult use legalization will increase access. Quote, advocates of medical cannabis are hopeful that whichever laws are passed to loosen control on cannabis in Germany, patients will benefit from the removal of some of the outdated legal barriers to distribution and access of these medicines. Those are the stories we're watching today. Join 10,000 others and catch all of these stories in your inbox every day at 7 a.m. Eastern with our Cannabis Daily Newsletter. Now, coming up on our B of C Live podcast conversation, we'll connect with Allison McMahon. She is the CEO of Cannabis at Work. She joins us to help us understand the current status of cannabis jobs in Canada and how both employees and employers are adapting to the pandemic, post-pandemic, realities of the cannabis job market. Cannabis at Work is the official human capital partner of Business of Cannabis. So enjoy this conversation with Allison McMahon from Cannabis at Work. Good morning, Allison. Thank you for being here. Hi, Jay. Happy to be here. Um, I'm glad to catch you early in the year because I feel like, um, I don't know, I feel like the, the world is changing rapidly and some things may not be changing from where they are over time. So I thought we'd connect about job trends, hiring trends, what employers and maybe even employees should be thinking about as we enter this new year. Is that okay? Please, let's do it. Okay. So we often talk to you about, I guess, macro trends, either in the industry or impact in the industry. Talk about sort of what you're seeing on the macro level that might be uh, interesting for folks to sort of consider as the year starts. Yeah, I think there's some important things uh, that impact the labor market and cannabis and some of the hiring trends that we see. So I think part of it is just historically where we've been in the cannabis industry and what that means in terms of kind of the candidate's perspective about where we're at. So I mean, as, as many of us know, um, we've kind of gone through that process of, of legalization. Alongside of that, the capital markets bubble bursting, and we've started to see the consolidation happening in the industry, um, as well as layoffs and um, closures of, in some areas. And I think alongside of that, there's still definitely growth. Um, but in terms of a candidate's perspective in the industry, I think it's less attractive than it was in 2018, 2019. And so is the cannabis industry still a great place to join in terms of a career? Yes. And is there still interest there? Yes. But I think that definitely what we saw a few years ago, just everybody uh, wanting to come into the industry, I think that has slowed down. And that matters in context of some of the other kind of constraints that we're going to talk about, I, I expect. And then we can't you know, go too far without um, talking about COVID. And obviously that has fundamentally changed the nature of work, really changed all of our lives in, in big ways. You know, I think we're, we've you probably heard about the great resignation um, and how, especially in the US, there's been just this kind of mass exodus out of the workforce. We've seen similar trends in Canada. However, Stats Canada is reporting that our labor market participation rate is coming back to pre-COVID levels. So um, theoretically, people are starting to re-enter the workforce um, it kind of late 2021. Um, and I think what we see in definitely the 
corporate roles that we're working on is these are largely remote roles now. And will they go back to the office one day or part time? Probably yes. Um, but that's really the shift. And some of these roles, it's just they are remote now. There's there's not an expectation specifically that they're going to be um, going back to an office on a regular basis. I think in cannabis, you know, we see a hybrid of that. Obviously, with production facilities, retail environments, we need people in uh, those those locations. But a lot of the kind of work from home type of roles, corporate roles, are um, definitely leaning towards the remote world. Um, and then I think. I at least thought at the beginning of 2022, we'd be on some true path to normalcy uh, when it comes to the pandemic and we're clearly not there. Yeah. Um, and so that's gonna continue to just affect the world we live in, the world we work in um, this year. And I wanna zoom in a little bit. So that's like, those are some big picture things, but maybe even to right now, or maybe the first half of this year. And I before we sort of, uh, press play I was talking about Canadian Tire and it was closed when I went there midday uh, one day this week um, like what can employers expect I guess almost in the right now like January February March as yeah. Omicron like works its way through society and whatever's next like what should employers brace themselves for from a well from an HR perspective really yeah, that's exactly it. I think that all these organizations, cannabis companies have been putting in COVID management plans and been managing um, COVID in their workplaces, but Omicron's a different breed. We know that it's um, spreading much quicker. So I would say that in the first two quarters, especially that employers should expect to have an increased amount of sick time um, and start to wrap their heads around what that means for their employees. I think you know, in production facilities where social distancing might be a little bit more difficult or in retail environments where there's just that exposure to um, the general public, that's where we're going to see higher incidences of um, sick time. You know, theoretically, people who are working from home um, can keep themselves a little healthier. Um, but I think that that's something that organizations really have to prepare for. And what I think is challenging within that is we're already dealing with a kind of precarious supply chain um, and organizations where operations are kind of on this razor thin edge of of working um, and then you start to pull staff out of that mix um, and have those staff shortages and i think it can really impact operations in some cases yeah and, and i want to think about this from both the employer and employee perspective like what does the labor market i guess look like right now like if i'm a candidate can I expect to find a job if I'm an employee, employer? Can I expect to find the right people? Like, what does that sort of look like? And then I guess the next part is, is how do I bring, especially if they're remote, how do I bring those people into an environment like culturally without being physically there? Yeah, very much so. So I think from my vantage point, the good news is I think there's a lot of momentum um, in the industry in the right pockets, obviously with hiring, we saw, definitely a fairly busy December. Often December is just a black hole because it's December and the holidays, but we saw a fair amount of activity heading into the holidays and with um, expectations around hiring into the new year. So I think that's great. That's a good signal. Um, but the reality is that we're in this kind of unique candidate market right now um, where it's just a supply and demand problem. Um, and I, it very much feels like a tight housing market to me where there's limited inventory. It 
does come onto the market, um, but it moves quickly. It turns over quickly. There's a lot of interest and there's potentially multiple offers. And I think we're very much seeing that right now with candidates, especially top talent, is they have options. So um, I think there's enough churn going on because of market dynamics in the industry that, again, talent is coming onto the market. But when it does, um, I think that employers really need to consider moving quickly. And so there's a balance there, though. You don't want to move so quickly that you scare candidates and they don't feel like they can make a proper decision. They haven't gotten to know the organization at all in the process. But I think having compensation, employment terms, those things really figured out in advance. So when the time calls to make that quick decision and be able to go into negotiations, be kind of streamlined in that process, um, I think that that's really important. Yeah. And I, I, um, I hesitate to ask this question, not just about what I'm about to ask you, but about anything beyond the scope of like the foreseeable future, but thinking ahead to like throughout the year, sort of not just Q1, Q2, but Q3, Q4, and understanding where the industry is, understanding where jobs are coming from and employees are coming from. Like, what do you see as terms of the demand for these jobs? Maybe not sort of right now, but maybe even like outward. Can, can you project sort of what the summer and the fall and the winter might look like based on where we've been or where you see the demand now? Yeah, I mean, I think where I, th I think continued demand, um, I think what we've seen with the kind of trajectory of the pandemic is things get a little better in the warmer months when people can be outside. Um, and so I think alongside of that is we should continue to see that participation rate of the um, the workforce kind of continue to, to increase. Um, so, I, I mean, I see continued demand. I think I think the pockets that we're seeing demand in right now is operations, processing, manufacturing, QA, really those like functional components of, of many cannabis companies. And then a ton of demand around sales as continue as companies continue to need to drive revenue um, and um, put themselves in a position of cash flow and um, ideally become profitable companies. So um, I think that that's important. What I'm curious to see is how organizations continue to manage um, remote onboarding and remote leadership in a number of cases. Um, like no longer is remote onboarding a stopgap. We're at a position now where this is just part of the reality and it's going to continue to be part um, of how an organization brings people into their world and integrates them and makes them successful. I think the interesting thing now as kind of an external signal around that is I'm starting to hear my team starting to hear candidates ask about it in the interview process. They want to know how the company is going to onboard them in that remote environment and what it's going to be like to be integrated into that team. Um, and so I think the, the onus really needs to be on organizations to start to figure that out if they haven't already, and then continue to ask questions internally around how do we develop leaders to leader to lead under these circumstances, how do HR programs, operational policies need to shift to be successful in this world. It reminds me, makes me think that there are so many stories now where people have been doing work together for a year, two years, even longer, yeah. and never actually met in person. And, and I'm going to ask you, like, that will be more normal, pandemic or not, that people just are working remotely and see each other very infrequently, but work together for years. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be, I mean, I don't like, again, we're two years into this now, like this isn't um, something that we're, in my personal opinion, that we're going back to the way things were across the board. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily want to. And I think there's a lot of opportunity here. I think there's a lot of um, success stories, but that is going to be the reality. So um, let's get good at it. <laughs> yeah. And, and you think of it like, you know, uh, companies dealing with an hour employees dealing with an hour getting used to it. But for the companies that do this well, and so to your point, sort of the, the hiring and the onboarding and make, make people feel like they are part of a unit, even if they never see each other in person, isn't it like they could really excel at that as opposed to, you know, try to deal with it and, mum, right. you know, fumble through it, like make it actually value add for oncoming employees. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it'll be, as always, it's great to sort of touch base with you to get a macro, a micro, a touch of what's happening in real time, both from an employer and employee perspective, because things have changed. I haven't even gone back, but I'd love to go back and uh, look at the conversation. We had the last conversation before the pandemic to figure right. out what you and I were talking about and like how rapidly it's changed or how different it is now from there. But I will do that before the next time we talk. And maybe I'll post that as we post this video as well to see sort of how, how the world has changed on this very specific topic uh, in the cannabis industry, because I think it's changed a lot. Yeah, I think the good news is if there's one thing we know how to do in this industry, it's managed through challenges and managed through change. And so while that still takes resources um, to do, it's a skill set we have. And so I think that that's um, something that stands out to me about this industry is our resilience in that, that yeah. way. I always liked working from my basement, so I'm good. It's perfect for you, Jay. That's perfect. I just news. stay here, grow a beard, just let it grow, keep letting it grow. <laughs> Allison, it's always good to connect. I appreciate the time and the partnership, and uh, we look forward to connecting with you down the road. Thank you. Thanks, Allison. That was episode 11 of Cannabis Daily. Thank you for joining us here on YouTube. Please do subscribe, and we will see you tomorrow on Tuesday, January 18th.